Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Psalm 4.4 says, Search your hearts and be still. I want you to just take a moment to be still. Breathe in and breathe out. Open up your heart. Prepare yourself for how God might speak to you. Get ready to listen. I'm really glad to be here this morning as part of the Directions series. Before this, I hadn't really considered the idea of growing in different directions, not only in faith, but in all of my life, which is kind of ironic since up until now, my job was to grow. Grow in knowledge through school, math, science, history, grow in relationships with my friends and family, grow musically, grow in compassion and confidence, and even plainly just to grow in height. But most importantly, to grow in faith, understanding more about our Savior. And that's why we're here, to talk about, although I would encourage you to consider how you can apply these directions to other areas of your life too, but we're here to consider the faith. I'm always so focused on the next goal, the next big project. Sometimes I forget about the directions or the path I take to get there. Maybe trying to grow in a different direction than I'm used to would give me a different perspective, just something to ponder. Today we're talking about inwardness, and it's a very personal journey, probably the most personal direction you can travel. Navigating your heart can be complicated, and it requires a willingness to be vulnerable. It requires honesty, and sometimes I find that the hardest person to be honest to is myself. The good news is, there is one who knows your heart completely, far better than you do, and that's God. Inward is also a, different, a difficult direction to travel because a relationship with God isn't something you can just fake. And it's not something others can force you into. Your relationship with God and your experiences with him should be personal. Willingness to open your heart and give it to God also means giving up control. Trusting that what he wants is the right way. Genesis 1.27 God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Pastor Joe sort of hinted at this when he was talking to Danielle, but a personal journey, an intimate relationship with God, doesn't make me less Kara. It makes me even more myself. If you don't know, my dad was the first pastor here at New Hope, and he started the church along with many others who became the community that raised me when I was barely a year old. Needless to say, I cannot possibly imagine my life without new hope. I've met many of my closest friends here, and a lot of my favorite childhood memories are of summer VBSs, kids' night ins, edge campouts. You can also imagine that I grew up with a lot of knowledge about God. Not only had I memorized Bible verses, read tons of Bible stories, and watched pretty much all the VeggieTale movies, I grew up witnessing God work in the lives of my parents and of the adults in this congregation. I saw as they lived their lives trusting God completely, 
But part of growing to independence was creating a faith that was my own. As a child, I had a lot of knowledge about God, and I'd seen God working in others' lives, but I hadn't felt his intimate presence in my own. I could talk about God, and I talked at him when I prayed, but I wasn't talking to him or with him. Praying was mindless recitation. I wish I could tell you that I remember the exact moment that I realized I wanted and needed a more personal relationship with God, the moment I was ready to start growing inwardly, but I can't. <laughs> I recognize that everyone here is at a different place in their faith journey. Some of you may relate strongly to the feeling that your prayers are mindless recitation. If that describes you, I'm not telling you you're bad, but I hope that what I say this morning will challenge you to search your heart and prepare to start an inward journey. Others of you may feel much more aware of the presence of God, and if that's you, don't tune out. The beautiful thing about relationships is that there's always room to dig deeper. Personally, the passage that really illustrates for me the relationship I strive for with God, the relationship God wants with me, is John 15. As we read this passage, pay attention to the intimacy of the language used to describe the relationship. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So funny story. Pastor Joe asked me to preach back in 2019 and I began praying about what passage I would want to talk about. And John 15 was one of a few that were on my heart. When COVID hit, Shannon Chastain decided to restart the women's Bible study. And guess what passage we looked at? Yep, this one. Without a doubt, I knew this is what I should talk about. And that definitely qualified as one of my mom's go-God moments. The part of this passage that really jumps out at me is that Jesus doesn't just say, remain in me. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. When we're trying to grow inwardly, we're not focusing on living through him. We're focused on Jesus living in us. It means searching your heart and surrendering it to Jesus. It means recognizing the need and importance of a relationship with the Lord and developing one. That might seem overwhelming if you're not quite sure what you believe or where to begin. 
Maybe you have doubts you're struggling with, guilt, fears, or even anger towards God. Maybe you see the relationships others have with God, and you envy it, desire it even, but that just isn't your reality. And that's okay. I promise you, he is there. He wants a relationship with you, and he will meet you where you are. It doesn't have to happen overnight. Inexpansive, the book that inspired this sermon series by A.J. Sherrill, I found this quote that I love. God does not coerce us into love. God woos us by knocking gently at the doorframe of the soul. Our role is to actively answer that knock and passively permit God's entrance into our lives. This, then, is the beginning point of expansive spirituality, giving God a radical welcome into the chambers of our being, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us completely, body, mind, and spirit. But what does it look like to answer the knock? I think it means making quiet time a priority, because let's be honest, if it's not high enough on the priority list, it won't happen. We'll make excuses. I was just really busy. A lot of things came up today. I'll do that tomorrow. Sometimes I think I'm scared, too. What if I can't hear what God is trying to tell me? Or what if I don't like what he's going to say? If I'm being honest with myself, it's not very, I'm not very good at being in absolute stillness. It's frightening. Because in our world today, it's unnatural. Complete silence is basically impossible. There's always the hum of the washing machine or the vibrating of a cell phone. It's also too often preoccupied, not giving God my full attention. It's hard to be vulnerable and easy to get distracted. But I think that real quiet time, real silence with God, is about giving up your heart. Before we started the Bible study this summer, I'd never done a breath prayer, but it was something that Beth Moore encouraged us to try. If you don't know what it is, I'll explain. You pick two short sentences or phrases, and you say one as you breathe in, and the other as you breathe out, and you repeat a few times. I tried to make these breath prayers a regular part of my quiet time, and I think it helps me to be vulnerable and open up my heart. I actually really love using the song we sang this morning as a breath prayer. In. Here's my heart, Lord. Out. Speak what is true. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Another book that I would highly recommend is Dallas Willard's Renovation of the Heart. In his book, he says, In silence with God, you are loved. You are accepted. You are more forgiven and desired than you could possibly imagine, and more heard than you dared dream. Now, we must ask ourselves, what does it look like to have Jesus abide in us? When we look inward and examine our hearts, what should we see? The first incredibly incredibly important thing to realize about having Jesus in your heart is that you're never alone. You have a constant companion, an ever-faithful friend, no matter what life throws your way. If you don't know a lot about me, I'm a musician. 
You'll learn that pretty quickly. <laughs> I'm starting online for a while at Juilliard in just a couple weeks. I've been called to a career with a lot of rejection. And my junior year of high school, that reality hit me like a ton of bricks. I was rejected by programs that I'd been part of for years. And I lost many competitions that I thought I might win. I felt alone, unappreciated, dispensable, unimportant, and unwanted. On the outside, I was trying to keep it together. But on the inside, I was desperate to feel accepted. New Hope's crux, the high school group here, decided one week to visit Grace Fellowship Church's youth group. It was that night that I realized how important it is to have Jesus abiding in me. We sang the song, Come to the Altar. Come to the Altar. The Father's arms are open wide. When it felt like everyone else was rejecting me and I didn't have a friend, Jesus was there. I wasn't alone. His arms are open to me. And that's the beauty of having Jesus reside in your heart. I know my life isn't going to be easy. Trials will come my way. But God will be there on the journey with me. Right now, in COVID separation, it's easy to feel rejected, unessential, and more alone than ever. Fears and doubts are valid right now. This is an extremely difficult time. But... When my attention is on him, I feel more at peace. He understands us perfectly, and he cares about the things we care about. So we can trust in him in this confusing time, when things don't really seem to make sense. A couple weeks ago, my family was spending some time doing yard work, and I learned in a very practical way just how strong vines can be. We had this clementis plant growing on our porch. My aunt has one in her house, and it is gorgeous. At least 20 blooming purple flowers. Ours, however, maybe got three a year. And the leaves and the vines were everywhere. It looked like it was taking over the porch. We decided to cut it down, and it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. The vines had wrapped themselves tightly around a post, and at the top, it was almost like the plant was growing into the house itself. Seeing the strength of that vine really got me thinking about what the vines are in my own life. If a vine has that much strength and power, I want to remain in a vine I can trust. Personally, I really like to feel independent and in control. I put way too much trust and faith in my own self and my own work. I need to remind myself continually to search my heart and ask, what really is my vine? Am I putting all my trust in God, or am I struggling for control? Am I confident that he has a way forward, or am I trying to resolve things on my own? What have I put ahead of God in my heart? Inward growth is very, very personal, but it doesn't have to be done independently. Our community can help guide us, hold us accountable. God gave us community for a reason, and I believe in the power of this community. Just a few weeks after my experience at Grace, I joined a house church at New Hope, where I felt both accepted and challenged to continue growing spiritually. It was exactly what I needed at that time. And if you aren't in a house church right now, I would highly recommend joining one. It is a life changer. 
Community is something that I've taken for granted here at New Hope because I've had it since day one. Literally, a house church came to my hospital bed. During COVID, I realized how much I miss this community. But I've also realized that in order to be part of it, all I have to do is reach out. People here care and they love. And the same is true for God. The times in my life that I felt the most distance from God are the times that I myself haven't put the effort in and reached out. When we trust in Jesus as the one true vine, when we are inwardly rooted in our relationship with God, we bear his fruit. When Jesus dwells in our heart, he becomes, we become his light for all to see. Lisa Ballard is one of my mom's prayer partners and was one of the first people ever to pray over me. The image she got when she prayed was the Star of Bethlehem. For my 13th birthday, she gave me an ornament with the Star of Bethlehem on it, and I hung it over my bedroom door so that it's one of the first things I see every single day and something I have to pass by on my way out the door. I love the imagery of a star for so many reasons. It generates light and power and brings about thoughts of hope. We often use the word star to refer to someone talented or famous, maybe even a role model. Someone who draws attention to themselves through their deeds and actions. And you don't normally call someone a star with a negative connotation. But the critical thing to realize is that when we're Jesus' star, our fruit was created by, it was not created by or for us. We're trying to glorify God and make others aware of him. We go back to John 15. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The other incredible thing about bearing God's fruit is that we're not left to do it on our own. If we produce an apple, God will make it into an apple tree. The times in my life that I feel the most stressed or anxious are the times that I forget that. When I think of all the people I wish I could help or all the ways I wish I could serve, or all the things I wish I could do. It gets overwhelming. But I have to remember that all I can do is my best, and I can trust that God will take the fruit I produce and multiply it. That doesn't mean I can just stop working or stop trying, though. The idea is for people to notice there's something different about us. Because there is. The Savior of the world lives in us. God doesn't want us to just check a box by coming to church or reading the Bible for 15 minutes a day, start and stop the stopwatch. At one point in the Bible study we did, Beth Moore said that our relationship with God can't be like logging into a computer, downloading instructions, and then logging back out. Being a star means there's a constant burning, a constant light, and it doesn't stop when you turn off this YouTube service today and it doesn't stop when your quiet time is over. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So, 
whether you've been a Christian all your life or you haven't yet decided to accept Christ into your heart, we all have some growing to do inward. Maybe for you, that's starting a more personal relationship with God. Maybe it's making noise-free quiet time. Noise-free quiet time. A priority. That's definitely something I'm working on. Or maybe it's asking God how he can make your light shine brighter. His light in you shine brighter. I would also like to advocate for joining a house church. Joining a house church really encouraged my inward growth and provided strength during a difficult time in my life. There are so many great people here at New Hope that are eager to share in your journey. All you have to do is reach out. I'm going to close with a prayer by Ted Loder, and it's called, Let Something Essential Happen to Me. While I pray, I hope you'll search your heart and listen for God to speak to you. Oh God, let something essential happen to me. Something more than interesting or entertaining or thoughtful. Oh God, let something essential happen to me. Something awesome, something real. Speak to my condition, Lord, and change me somewhere inside where it matters. A change that will burn and tremble and heal and explode me into tears, or laughter, or love that throbs, or screams, or keeps its terrible cleansing silence and dares the dangerous deeds. Let something happen in me which is my real self, God. Oh God, let something essential and passionate happen in me now. Strip me of my illusions of self-sufficiency, of my proud sophistications, of my inflated assumptions of knowledge, and leave me shivering as Adam or Eve before the miracle of the natural, before the miracle of this earth, the miracle of my body that breathes and moves, hungers and digests, sees and hears, that works the most amazing messages of what and when and how, coded and curled in every cell and that dares to speak the confronting word. Oh God, let something essential and joyful happen in me now. Something like the blooming of hope and faith, like a grateful heart, like a surge of awareness of how precious each moment is. That now, not next time, now is the occasion to take off my shoes to see every bush afire, to leap and whirl with neighbor, to gulp the air as sweet as wine until I've drunk enough to dare to speak the tender word. Thank you. I love you. You're beautiful. Let's live forever beginning now. And I'm a fool for Christ's sake. Amen.